Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of Maker Moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind the scenes story of a new Maker Mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running FreemanFurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the Maker Mom podcast. This week's guest is none other than Lily from the most recent season of Making It. If you don't remember Lily, uh, Lily's kind of big claim to fame on the show was uh, she did a lot of things with balloons and foam board and she also happened to be one of the three finalists in the last episode. So I was super excited when she said yes to being on the podcast as a guest um, and getting to talk about a medium of making that I really don't have any experience in, uh, but could relate to. Um, and, you know, obviously getting to watch all of season two of Making It um, gave me a lot of background to be able to talk with her um, and have some questions for her. And there's lots of little tips in here that I think anybody, no matter what kind of making you do, can totally pick up. But before we get into the interview with Lily, I want to give a big thank you to my patrons over on Patreon. So thank you, Amy of Bison Valley Carving, Brandy of Studio Obey, Kathy of One Girl and Her Tools, Dan and Kelly of Reclaimed Living Store, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs, and brand new this week, thank you so much, Mary Lou of Made by Mary Lou. Uh, welcome aboard and welcome to the Maker Mom Podcast Tribe. All right, so now that I have said thank you to uh, all of my fantastic patrons over on Patreon, I want to let you guys know how you could become a patron if you are enjoying the podcast. You can head on over to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Maker Mom Podcast. Or better yet, you can just follow along on Instagram, that's at Maker Mom Podcast. Hit the link in the bio and hit join the tribe and that will take you there as well. Now, there's all kinds of tier levels over on Patreon. There's the $1, $3, and $5 a month and there's different rewards for all the different levels all the different tiers um, but at all levels uh, once you become a patron you do get access to the once a month online meetup um, that is out there and the most recent one that is coming up will just got scheduled will be on Friday March 27th starting at 11:30 a.m. Central Standard Time. So if you are a patron, make sure uh, you put that in your calendar. And if you can join us, awesome. The link is out there on Patreon. I put it up there last night, um, so you can just find that and hit it when it's time. Again, that's going to be Friday, March 27th, at 11:30 a.m. And it goes for an hour. And whoever can join uh, at that time is 
free to do so as long as you're a patron and you can hop on and usually we're talking about you know what projects we're working on people can ask questions of the group like if you're stumped on something or or whatever but usually it's full of laughter and fun and everybody really has a great time so i hope to see you there again you do have to be a patron so make sure you head on over to patreon to check that out all right with no further ado here is lily i'm lily from the creative heart studio and I was recently on making it and I'm a mom first and a maker. Awesome. Um, how many kiddos do you have? I have two kids. I have a boy and I have a girl. Okay. And um, what type of making is like your predominant type of making? So for the most part, most of my making has always concentrated around prop making specifically for parties. Um, an event decor and as time has gone on and I've evolved I've used different mediums at this at this moment my predominant medium is balloons um, and foam board and that's usually what I work with but always with the mindset of either celebrating a birthday or celebrating some kind of occasion for for kids specifically okay all right. Um, before I dive too much more into that, I want to go back a little ways to your childhood and mm -hmm. ask, like, what was your childhood like? Where'd you grow up? What kind of things were you interested in? That type of thing. So as a kid, um, I was raised by a single mom. She remarried when I was eight, but it was kind of like just being raised by a single mom. And we lived with my grandparents. Um my mom is very crafty and she actually used, used to do events on the side to kind of make extra income and she would do florals and things like that. So I was kind of raised in that environment to begin with and kind of found my passion early on for parties and things of that sort with making. And as I got older, I kind of, I think in the eighth grade was when I kind of discovered, quote unquote, that I had a talent, that I was artistic kind of thought that everybody just drew the way I drew and I always kind of thought that that was just like a normal thing um until I got to the end of eighth grade and then I got accepted into a magnet program for design and art for high school and then that's kind of when I realized oh wait a minute not everybody can do this and I kind of have like you know this quote-unquote gift and kind of started developing there in high school and um where I met my husband in high school and and that's pretty much my childhood is just crafting all the time as a, not with my mom, but kind of helping her. Mm -hmm. um, do you have siblings? I do. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Um, and we kind of are all artistic, which is funny. And my brother doesn't do anything crafty or neither, and neither does my sister, but they would help me when I had my event planning company, they would help me make, sorry, they would help me make stuff. Um, all the time actually so they kind of became part of the whole making part of my life okay did they get to go to the same um like creative school that you got to go to they didn't they okay. didn't no they didn't they did they just kind of went to the our regular the home high school that we had mm -hmm. and um didn't pursue any of that specifically I did but they didn't I think that's really cool that you had that opportunity um I know I'm in the Midwest and we don't have any schools like that, but that'd be really cool to have something like that available for kids who are more creative. I think it was actually something that I, I, 
you know, I thank God every day for it because I really think it shaped me as a maker and it really gave me so many more tools that I didn't really, I don't think I would have learned otherwise and kind of shaped me early on as a maker and constantly trying to experiment and explore different things. I think it would be amazing if everybody had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. So post high school, what did you do post high school? So post high school, I went to college and um, started off in interior design and architecture. And a couple of years after that, decided to just switch gears completely. And I ended up getting a bachelor's in exceptional education. So I actually have a teaching degree. But then I didn't teach. No. <laughs> I was just going to ask that if you went, went into teaching. No. Nope, did not go into teaching. Because, <laughs> boy, was that crazy. And um, right, after high, right after college, I actually opened up my event planning company. And um, that's where, like, my maker career kind of started. So I have a teaching degree, which I think has helped me for, for, for the most part for some stuff, actually, which is kind of, like, not we, – I don't think people – most people would relate that. But it did help me in some, in some areas um, as a maker. And then I started my event planning company, and I've just kind of been up and down on the creative journey and evolving until today. I kind of still feel like I don't know where I'm going, but – have a better idea now Uh, and so are you you're currently still doing event planning right or no no I don't I event planned from about 2008 2007 up until about 2015 and then in 2000 sorry there's like something here um 2015 I stopped event planning I closed the company and kind of just started dabbling in different things trying to find like my next creative um career and because I didn't want as as a mom it became a little bit more difficult my son was born in 2011 and my daughter was born in 2013 um and you know once you become a mom things change and it was really difficult to work the weekends and the week because you don't really only work the weekends you're planning the entire week and preparing and I unlike most um unlike a lot of event planners I actually made all my props I made most of the production part of it too so that became really difficult where my kids were always with my in-laws on the weekends we didn't get to do any of like you know the typical stuff that you could do on the weekends with your kids it was just it was really hard so at that point I had to kind of make a choice of how do I either make this work or do I shift gears and then I just decided to shift gears and figured that at some point I would find something that kind of made me happy both ways because I love event planning and I was specifically a kids event planner I never did any adult events like any any kind of social events like that um and then just closed down in 2015 and then started doing other kinds of things that eventually led me to where I am today to create content Mm -hmm. um how do you like what do you feel is like some of the main differences between, because I would assume you're making props and stuff for when you're making content too. Yeah. So yes. like, what's the big difference to you? So the you big know? difference, the, the big difference is versus, um, now I'm working within like a 10 foot by 10 foot square versus before it was like the full event event and not just the event, but we're talking invitations and the massive amount of props. It was just, you know, nowadays I can just, say oh I want to make this really cute oversized birthday candle that's all I have to make when it comes to a birthday party you're also dealing with 
um, you're also dealing with like what the client wants and also with deadlines, you know, and there Mm -hmm. were times where my kids would get a fever the night before the party. And I was like, what do I do? I I can't just talk to my client. Hey, I can't show up. So I was very fortunate to have a great support system with my in-laws and my husband, but my husband worked with me. So I needed him on the team. So it was, it was, it was just hard like to deal with that. So that is the difference where now as a content creator, if one of my kids gets sick or something happens, I can push my content two or three days. You can't do that as an event planner. Right. Right. So, I mean, how did you even, I guess, learn about content creation as a thing that you could do? So for, which, um, about, I want to say like in, 2009 maybe when like blogspot.com was like the first place that you could have a vlog I remember um speaking to a friend and telling her you know I just want to like have I just want to do ideas and not necessarily have somebody hire me to do it and eventually get paid so it really wasn't like I didn't even I wasn't aware of that that didn't exist like it does now um back then um but I kind of just put it in the back burner never did anything with it and kept going but then as social media has grown and the the platforms are bigger it's a little bit more i guess you could say easier not really but you know a little bit more accessible to work with different brands and different things of that sort um then i started kind of transitioning into that and figuring out what i wanted to do because i just wanted to get out there and then when i figured out what i wanted to do and who i was doing content for it made it a little bit easier to figure out my my direction and i don't necessarily work with brands all the time so it's not like i have sponsored content i really don't it's it, you can kind of tell like few and far between on, on my page when I have sponsored content. Um, but then when I came up with the creation of the balloon mosaics, it was in the process of creating a blog for parties. And when I saw how that took its own, like a life of its own, I was kind of like, wait a minute. I think I, I've kind of closed the gap between moms and specifically, or people who really want to DIY stuff. And they just can't because they don't have, they don't know where to start. They don't have like a stepping point to start off at to the person who just wants to hire somebody to do it. There's people who live in in smaller cities. My mom lives in a small city where balloon artists and event planners aren't, you know, they're not a ton of them. So you kind of have to figure out what to do. The only thing available to her is a Walmart and I think a Hobby Lobby. That's it. So not like in Miami, I live in Miami where there's, tons of balloon artists and tons of event planners and tons. so when I when I realized how many people wanted to do that and I kept getting reached out to about you know I would love to make this unicorn balloon mosaic which was the first one I did and they were just like I just don't know how could you help me I was like wait a minute I think there's something here and then that's kind of like where I started creating content but not necessarily um with working with brands all the time i create content where i'm you know producing high quality diy templates that people can purchase and do on their own so i feel like you know it's a happy medium where i still need to obviously make money but then at the same time i'm giving them step by step and going that extra mile to produce these templates Mm -hmm. how do you i mean what do you feel about that process like you said i mean this what you described sounds like that was the process to getting to who is your audience? Um, right. How, what did that process feel like to you? I feel like some of us, like the other uh, makers in particular, will be like, well, I don't know who to make this content for. for. Like, you know, it's kind of all over the place. And yeah. Like narrowing that down. 
I mean, I kind of feel like I still struggle with that a lot. I kind of feel actually maybe like recently up until this week <laughs> and, some, and something negative had to happen for me to like realize, wait, this is my audience and I need to remember that. Um, it was just, as I started putting out, con I started putting out content that I liked, that I loved and that I liked to make. And then as I started seeing my audience coming about and I, and the people that were messaging me, the kind of people who were messaging me, I started paying attention to that. And when I started paying attention to the requests and who was messaging me, I think I it started helping me narrow down my audience. Um, but then you also get, when you have like these randoms and then I, I, for example, myself, I was unexpectedly thrown into the balloon in the professional balloon world because of balloon mosaics. And then I was like, wait, but who am I catering to? Am I still catering to the DIY mom or to the professional balloon maker? And there's a difference. So that kind of became another, threw me to another tangent when I thought I had just figured it out. And then because the needs are different. So I, I think I constantly just have to ask myself and remind myself and remember who are the people commenting, who are the people that are reaching out to me, who are the people sharing the actual finished product with, and who are the people purchasing my templates. And then that's how I kind of narrowed it down a little bit more. Um, and that helped me figure it out. I think, you know, if you build it, they will come kind of thing. <laughs> I figure, I guess I kind of figured it out like that. Mm -hmm. um, as I saw the audience and who it was that, was being vocal on my on my platform now are you i'm assuming you're across a few different platforms um or are you is there like main channels that you prefer to use yeah the main channels i mean i have a twitter which i never go on i have a facebook which i i never go on either <laughs> um for me the main my main platforms are pinterest and and Instagram, but Instagram is my main one, and Pinterest is my secondary social media platform. And I usually just use both of them to direct people to my website because that's really where the content is. Mm -hmm. Um. So I was going to ask. I mean, do you cater to different audiences depending on what platform you're on? Like, do you have a different? No, I don't. I think okay. I have because I think on Instagram. I could, can, I, I think Instagram, I use it more as like my connection base, like almost like my research too. Like who are the people that I'm connecting with here? Who are the moms that I'm talking to? Who is the audience I'm talking to? Cause I'm also talking to balloon makers and dads. And mm -hmm. so who is it on? That's where my connection point is. Pinterest is for where I get my product out, where people who are ready to plan, ready to purchase are going on there for ideas, usually brings them back to my Instagram or to my website. So mm -hmm. I use both of them more for connection of, um, you know, I'm a real person. I'm not just like right. this big, like, it's not like we're not the we, uh, it's the I, because it's just me and my husband. So, mm -hmm. um, and that's why I think I, I, I use just more for connection and social connection, really. I don't, um, it's pretty much the same audiences on both. Okay. Okay. Um, how did you get into balloons specifically i'm intrigued to know how you got into balloons. yeah <laughs> so i've always as an event planner for kids i've always loved balloons i mean i've always loved balloons i you know without balloons i don't think it's a party so when i was an event planner i can't i had a balloon artist i used to work with and he would make me all this stuff and i loved it and then but i never knew like you know I, i'm not classically trained i don't i don't have any of that but 
when I started creating content for the Creative Heart Studio, when I started it, it started as a party blogging, a, a party blog. I knew there was a gap between, there was a big gap between being a balloon artist and just buying a dozen helium balloons from your local party store. So I had some experience with balloons. And then I, when I kind of just realized on Pinterest, actually, that I could hot glue balloons together, I was like, wait a minute, this is a game changer for me because I could take my artistic skills and my, my foam board skills and all of that and I was able to mesh the two. And it just kind of was like a, like a snowball and it just <laughs> started going, started going. And then as Balloon Mosaic blew up and then, you know, took it a little bit more serious as a business, trademarked it and all of that, um, I started becoming more and more intrigued with the balloon world and the different things I could do where people could look at, I mean, not the balloon, not the balloon, the professional balloon world, but the, the rest of the, uh, like the rest of the public mm -hmm. couldn't, could see balloons in a different way. So I took it because I'm not a trained balloon professional, but I'm a maker. I kind of mesh those and just, I take the balloons and try to look at them in a different way. And I tried to, what I like to say is practical because I know, mm -hmm. you know, and then I'm like, how do I make this practical where anybody can just grab a, a hand pump and some glue dots and they don't have to use professional technique and make something beautiful for a party. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I started um, with the balloons and I just became, it became like a dark hole and I just went in. <laughs> it's like, I was like, where am I? And now I'm just like, I love the balloon world because I think that it's an easy medium. It doesn't take up space. If you need to kind of blow up some balloons, make something pretty, then you're done with. You're not stuck with all this huge stuff in right. your house if you're creating something. And, and it's not an expensive medium. So that was yeah. like the thing that, I, that kept me going with it. Okay. So, I mean, you've, you know, you've mentioned a couple times already, like the professional balloon world. So how does the professional balloon world feel about you? Like I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, at first I thought, well, I'm totally not going to be welcomed because it's something so different. You know, what I'm doing is different um, and things of this sort. But I, I went to my first balloon conference uh, a couple months ago, uh, like about a month and a half ago. And it was amazing. Everybody was so kind. Everybody was so nice. And people love the balloon mosaics. They really do. Um, it's just obviously these, um, most of the balloon professionals are used to working with just balloons. So the foam board part is like the tricky part for them, but you know, they're professionals. So they're growing and they're intrigued to try to learn whatever's on trend. Obviously they're, you know, they're trying to cater to their clients. So, um, they love it. I mean, I guess for the most part, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, I, I ask because I've had makers on the podcast who have either present or past experience in like other trades or other fields. Um, but they weren't like professional in them. And sometimes the professionals, you know, quote unquote, yeah, professionals, quote unquote from, professionals from those fields can, I don't know if it's, they feel threatened or, or whatever. Yeah. Can come off kind of harsh. <laughs> I've actually, I actually experienced some, something like that in last night, actually. And um, it was the first time I had ever had something negative from the balloon community come towards me. And then obviously somebody that is, um, taking the idea I created and kind of doing something unethical with it and mm -hmm. copying me, which is fine. I mean, every, you know, there's a million companies that do TVs, but 
it was the first experience I had with that. So that was a little bit um, disheartening, you know, um, disheartening, mm-hmm. of course. But um, there's always that percentage that is not right. going to like it. And some people are stuck in their ways and they're not going to, they don't like when people come and do something new and, you know, create waves. And I'm not the only one. There's so many of these like huge people that kind of like, I'm going to dare and say that revolutionized the balloon world recently because balloons have become so, um, I feel like they've kind of like come back up into a huge trend where I think they had died out for a really long time Mm -hmm. because you were, you were used to only seeing your typical balloon column and balloon arch and their people weren't getting out of that. So people who were not balloon professionals came in. I mean, um, house that Lars built, pretty much created the balloon garland Mm -hmm. and the balloon professionals came in and made it into a professional technique which is amazing um but it's because they welcomed it so I think the balloon mosaic has been the same thing um and I'm sure there's people who don't like you know feel threatened or don't like what I've done or I think at one point in this in this conversation that happened yesterday um, somebody was saying that I didn't create the technique and then I saw the person who had created the technique I researched him and it was completely different, but it, the guy just used foam board. So I get it, but it wasn't right. the same technique. Right. And, you know, it's not like I came in here and said, hey, I want to steal <laughs> this guy's idea. Like, I'm not in the balloon world. This isn't something I, I'm aware of, you know. You're just a maker trying to do things. And my goal was to cater to DIY moms and to DIY people who wanted to make stuff. And it just happens to be that now some balloon makers have to make it because there's people who don't feel comfortable making the DIY. So I think it's just people's, you know, everybody has a different opinion. So. Right, right. But for just the most the part, everybody, yeah, but for the most part, everybody has been so, so nice and welcoming and they love the new trends and they love being open to new things and being able to offer their clients something else. So mm-hmm. for the most part, everybody's been so nice. Good. Yeah. Um, all right. So I do want to talk just a bit about making it. Um, okay. First of all, congrats to making it as one of the finalists. Thank um, you. Yeah. Um, and I totally related to the room and party you did for your daughter <laughs> and going to the big bed thing. I was like, yes, there's a mom. There's somebody who like totally gets it. <laughs> um, so, but you mentioned, you know, well, at least on watching the show, like the shed that seemed to um, stretch you into doing some things that you haven't necessarily done you know Mm -hmm. before so I just wondered if you could share a little bit about like what was the experience like and especially like kind of growing your skills on the fly like for some of those challenges so for the most part I never did anything on the show that I hadn't previously used like I would, I would have probably never carved foam like Floyd. I would have never even dared to do that because he's like <laughs> so amazing. Mm-hmm. But I would have probably never do that. But I had some experience with wood, like, you know, your basic right. cutting plywood using a jigsaw. Like, I could do those things. Um, but when I had to do a full-blown project like that where I was like, wait a minute, I can't use foam board. I can't use – and when I would do my projects, I was trying when they had to be, mm-hmm. um, whatever had to be functional for real and like a shed wasn't going to survive with everything made of foam board obviously <laughs> so that experience was difficult especially you're, you're being timed you're not in your comfort zone most of the time my husband helps me with anything that has to do with wood um but we did have support on the show so that was helpful mm-hmm. um but it was just one of those things where I felt like 
if I didn't do it in that moment, I was never going to do it. This was the moment to do it. And this was kind of the moment, I don't want to say your, my life depended on it, but me staying on the show depended on it. Right. So it was either I did something that was going to get out of my comfort zone and I can execute professionally, or I didn't, and then I would get off the show. So mm -hmm. I just went for it and, and, um, and prayed that it would just turn out well. <laughs> and, for the, and luckily for me, it did, and it was great. But... Um, I, I did, um, I did struggle a lot with pushing myself and I also had a lot of help on the show, like I, Rebecca and Justine mm -hmm. and all, all the other makers, they would give me advice with stuff that I wasn't comfortable with, like upholstering. I had never done that. And everybody was so helpful that that alone just made it a little bit more comfortable to, to dive into something new that I hadn't done before. Mm -hmm. I think what maybe I appreciated most is I feel like you stayed on, I don't want to say it, but stayed on message with like kind of who you are, like you're saying now with the, with the blue mosaics and stuff, like your audience is like the moms who want to do it themselves, right? And so yeah. like I think you stayed on message by being able to say like I went outside of my comfort zone and I still did it. Like you can still do xyz right. you know if if that's what you want to do um, right i always tell people like i get a lot of messages and people are like well those balloon mosaics don't look easy and i'm like well i never claim that my stuff is easy like i don't claim that my diys are easy because they're not and mm -hmm. um but they are achievable Right. I mean, they may take some time, but they are achievable. And then I think that once people are done with them, and I'm doing them with, with um, I try to make all my DIYs with re materials that are available at any craft store. Because I didn't have a lot of um, knowledge growing up of like, you know, specialty stores or, you know, the first time I discovered an art, like a specialty art store, my mind was blown in high school. I was like, what is this place? It was like amazing, but not everybody has that. Like I mentioned earlier, my mom has a Hobby Lobby and a Walmart, so she can't get those materials. I always try to remember if my mom can get the materials, then most people can. Mm -hmm. So I, I did, I would try, I tried to do that because I, I think so many people are scared to make stuff because they don't feel like they have the, the, the capability to do it. So I try with my work to try to use limited resources because, you know, you don't want a craft project that you could have bought for $5 to cost you $200. You know? right, so, right. So I try my best to try to kind of do that. And that was important for me on the show to stick to because that's how I am in real life. You know, I'm a mom on a budget. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have endless funds. I can't afford to spend $600 on one small little project. So I do try my best to try to um, keep things at a minimum cost and as easy as possible with materials. Mm -hmm. You know, just sometimes that takes a little bit more work to transform it. So, but it's not that it's not achievable. It's totally doable. It just takes some time. Right. Uh, that is the key word, time. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like people assume, which blows my mind, that if it's handmade, well, then it's cheap. And it's like, it, it may be uh, cheap or material wise, but the time it takes it's is, true. I, is exponential I mean, compared to just buying it. A hundred percent. The the friendship bracelets I made on the first episode, mm -hmm. those bracelets took 10 and a half hours to make because I had to wrap that yarn. And I think the project probably cost 20 bucks because it was right. foam board yarn, a dowel and hot glue. That's it. Mm -hmm. But 
it took forever to cut those tiny little rectangles and then wrap each of them tightly with yarn. But then the finished product was beautiful. And it's something that anybody can do. You realistically, right. anybody can do this. It just takes time. Right. It really does take time. And that's, that's the thing with um, handmade projects. Exactly. Um, so that, maybe that's a question. When, with your like templates and stuff, do you ever give like estimated time to completion type thing? You, you know, I, ha I don't because everybody takes a different amount of time. So for me, it takes me about an hour or less to build one from beginning to end, to end and then about 30 minutes to another, maybe an hour and a half if it's, a if it's an intricate one to fill it with balloons. Some people are like, it took me three hours just to build it. So everybody's different because everybody's level of experience right. and skill is different. So I don't like to give like a, a certain time, but I would say for, for the most part, it's about three hours for a new person to kind of mm -hmm. complete from beginning to end. Um, but everybody's different. Obviously, the more practice you get, that's why I'm quicker because I'm, I, I do right. these almost every day. But for everybody else, it might be different. There's people mm -hmm. who I know can do them just as fast as I can because they're experienced. Right. Um, so I think it just all depends. That's why I don't like to give times because then people get mad. <laughs> you told me it was two hours. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel I always underestimate my own time too. When I'm me working too. on a project, I'm like, oh, that should take like two hour stops. And like six hours later, I might finish it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's the worst as a maker. I think that's the one thing we all do. We all yeah. underestimate the amount of time that we're going to really need. Um, so I do, I do want to ask, like, what made you want to be on, like, making it? Or what drove you to say, <laughs> I know, that's right? something I want to do. <laughs> let's, let's conquer 600 fears that I have in one shot. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so when I heard about making it, uh, the first time I heard about making it was from season one, Amber, that was on season one from Damask Love. Oh, yes. She lives she lives in Miami and I already oh. followed her. So when I saw she was going to be on the show, I'm like, Oh my God, this is like the coolest show. So I followed the show. Um, and right before, um, the show started, she reached out to me to help her set up like a photo area for her premiere party. And I was like, mm. I'm totally going to do this. It's going to be so much fun. And we became friends. Like she's my friend and we became friends. So I, I loved the show. I fell in love with the show. And then when season two came around, a couple of my friends were like, you need to apply. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. It's just, I don't know. I hadn't been on a plane in 15 years. I was across the country. We know we live in Miami and it's filmed in LA. And I was like, I mean, I've never left my kids for that long. Like, I don't know how long I'm going to be there. I, I don't know. I didn't know anything. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to do this. I don't think I'm going to do this. Um, but then my husband was just like, you know, I know you love the show and I know you want to be on the show. Cause I was like, this was just a fun experience. Right. And obviously it was a hundred thousand dollars to win. <laughs> so I was like, Oh my God, this would be great. But he told me, just do it. You have nothing to lose with just applying because the worst they can do is they say no to you and you don't get on the show and that's fine. Um, but if you don't apply, you're going to be like, Oh, I should have been on, or I could have been on, or this would have been fun. So I applied. And then, um, I think they had also reached out to season one about like any recommendations and stuff like that. And Amber recommended me, which was so kind. And so then they called me and I was like, what? And I'm like, okay, so I think we're starting the process, you know, it started the whole mm -hmm. entire process of casting. And then, and then, and then I got on the show. I really, and the whole time I kept thinking, 
it, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If it's, that's, I think, how I kept, like, giving myself, like, therapy. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> get through the whole process. Um, and I'm like, well, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. If I don't get on, oh, well, it's not a big deal. But then I got on. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, now I have to do this. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, I think the best thing I've ever done professionally because it really um, – I learned so much on the show besides obviously overcoming all the fears that I spoke about when I was on the show about, you know, Mm -hmm. leaving my kids and getting my fear of airplanes and all this stuff. I learned from the other makers. Like I kind of branched out of my comfort zone also of just the mediums I was using Mm -hmm. and started working on other things. Like I'm so obsessed with the way Jessie's brain works and how she like just uses like sugar packets. I mean, I know. Ariana's face on it and I'm like what is this it's like amazing so but that alone like just learning that from her and the way Justine works with chipboard and how Floyd takes like construction materials and mixes it and Rebecca's use of color is like to me it's like how how? like her the Mm -hmm. way she uses color is like amazing so I learned so much from all these makers that that pushed me forward to um in in my making career and and the friendships I came out that I got out of that was the best thing ever so I'm so happy I did it I mean me and Mm -hmm. Rebecca FaceTime I think at least three times a day (laughs) yeah so (laughs) your besties forever now we are we're like like, you know and it's great to have people who understand you and think like you are like minded and and can get it because some you know not everybody around my husband's an artist so he gets it but he's my Mm -hmm. husband too so he's gonna like everything I do so right so it's nice to have somebody that you can you know go back off of back and forth with off with ideas which is great yeah I mean I think that's what I've seen out of like maker conferences and stuff too right yeah. it's like you get a whole bunch of makers together and some not me but some would be up to like 4 a.m you know just because you're so excited to like yes. be talking with somebody who you don't have to stop and explain every little right like, minute detail they just you get know? it they just get it and you can just Amazing. kind of you know bounce yep. off of each other um I will like I do have to ask like seriously how hard was it to be away from your kids because like that is what I have felt like would be the hardest thing ever it was I mean I cried every single episode I think yeah I didn't realize how much I cried until I watched the show (laughs) I was like wow I really cried a lot um at some point, I think people people don't realize how long it takes to film the show. Yeah. So I think people thought that it was like something you filmed quickly. And they're like, you know, I think I saw a comment one time. Somebody's like, you weren't even that long away from your kids. Like, how long could you have realistically been away? And I'm like, it was gone a long time. Right. Um, so people don't realize that. But it was really hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Also, um, you're you're I don't know how to explain like you're almost like in a I guess survivor mode because you have all this adrenaline and you're you're creating projects and you're busy and you're filming and you're right so like when I was in that moment it's almost like you don't have time to think about anything else because you're just kind of like that makes sense yeah yeah (laughs) and except when I was doing the project and it was about them and then I would talk about it because then I would start crying (laughs) (laughs) my husband was also so good about um filtering the information that got that got back to me when I would talk mm-hmm. to them so I didn't know like you know like he didn't tell me like every little tantrum or right because right. then I would take that and you know you oh, as yeah. a mom, you take that on yourself you're like oh my god how do I help them but you're so far away um 
but it was really hard. And when I would talk to them, I had to like hold, like I had to restrain myself so much because I wanted to cry. Yeah. But I couldn't because I knew that if I, if I cried too much when I was talking to them, they would relate this experience as sad. And I didn't want right. that for them. So I tried really hard to make it a positive experience whenever I spoke to them, even though it was so hard on me, you know, mm -hmm. as all moms do, I think. Um, because I wanted them to also come out of the experience as something, you know, that they could learn from as well, even though they're so little, it's something that they're never going to forget. Right. It's not like a, it's not like a typical experience. So that it, it was, it was really hard. It was really hard, especially at night. Like when you're used to that yep. routine of yep. you're getting home, you got to get everybody ready for bed. You got, that was hard. Yeah. That was really hard. Or like the little things I would see and I'd be like, Oh, Alyssa would have loved this. Or mm -hmm. Alexander would get a kick out of this. And you remember like, cause you know them so well, and you know what they would like. That was really hard. And then yeah. just being able to just be in the same room with them and hug them and, you know, and my husband, like when the right. hard days, yeah. <laughs> it was so hard and it was, yeah, it was crazy. I think, I think it's great that like you and Becca had that in common though. Yes. You know that, so, because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like maybe the first season or whatever, there wasn't so much of that, like. I'm trying to even think who had kids in the first season, but um, Amber and Joe. Okay. Yeah. And then Gemma, yeah. Gemma's, Gemma's kids were adults, I think already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is a different experience. Um, all those different stages of life, right? Like, right. Jesse is totally in a different stage of life than right. you are. Right. And so it creates a different experience completely different experience and yeah. I, I'm I think we all had um the 10 of us had our own individual struggles of for whatever stage of life we were in and mm -hmm. and whatever like you know work or family or spouses and like mm -hmm. that's so hard um and that was another thing I think that was so good for me and I'm so grateful for is that I had somebody to relate to with that that I had mm -hmm. Rebecca for that because we we're both moms and our kids are kind of the same age um so they know what's going on. You know, they knew mm -hmm. what was going. The kids were aware hundred percent of where we were, that we were gone. Like it's not like we had a baby. If I would have had like a six month old, like so right. different. Like they right. have no idea yeah. what's going on. But so that was that was nice. And then and Matt, Matt has a son. He has a yeah. two year old son. Yep. So that was nice to at least have like a couple people there that could could get it. Um mm -hmm. and and the fact that our kids were pretty much the same age was was good too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't feel as crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel, like I can I can't imagine having been the only mom there and everybody would have been like, okay, stop talking about your kids. kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but no, I mean it I find that at least in my part of the maker community, like either there'll be like there's a a lot of guys, because I do a lot of woodworking stuff, but mm -hmm. um but B, the women that are there aren't too like they might be in like long-term relationships or you know married but they aren't to kid stage yet and so yeah, like kid stage, yeah and like having those conversations I always am like man I can see it on your face you want me to stop talking about my kids but they're like they're like 75 to 95 percent of my life so they are they're yes a hundred percent and then I mean I do stuff that's kid related because I have them in mind right so it is it's like it's it's not, I mean, I think I did pretty, I hope I didn't drive the, now that I read, think about it, I'm like, man, I hope I didn't talk, I didn't drive the other no, makers crazy. No, I but, don't think uh, you did, but. But I think but, I was okay, because I was always like, 
I don't know. I don't think I, I don't think yeah. I, I hope I did it. <laughs> I think I think you're fine. But it's just it is one of those things, you know. It I mean it's just one of the it stages of yeah, life. It's it's yeah. my stage of my life right now yeah. and they consume my world basically. Exactly. <laughs> yep, every single thing. <laughs> That's right. Um all right, so jumping a little bit back into so this so it sounds like so both you and your husband like this is your business you're doing this is our yes my husband is an architect turned graphic designer okay um so he does graphic design now um but we're in a stage where he has his clients but his the percent the ratio of percentage of time that he's giving to the creative heart studios is becoming it's increasing um because we're expanding and we're working and we, we work well together. We work great together. It's great because we're both working for the same goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is basically what we do. I don't have like a full-time job or, or anything right. like that. This is my full-time job. Right. So, so I mean, like, how do you manage like doing all this content creation, mm. uh, putting out, you know, the templates and, and all of that plus being a mom. And I mean, and it's, the actual business side of the business is no small deal like that. Mm-mm. There's a lot that goes behind yeah. that too. There's so much more. Sometimes I get hard on myself and I'm like, why am I not developing cont- um, templates fast enough? Like more templates and more templates. But you know, when you're developing all these templates, there's, there's a process to it. I sketch them first. And when I'm sketching, I'm taking in, it's almost like engineering. Cause I'm taking into consideration the width of the balloons, what kind of balloons are going into these templates, how many curves I, I really have in mind at all times who's making these. So I'm constantly trying to make my templates with the least amount of cuts possible where it still looks like a beautiful shape or it still looks like what it's supposed to look like. So I'm constantly thinking about that. So it takes some time to develop them. Like I just, after a year, finally came, finally figured out the perfect dinosaur to use for a dinosaur template. Cause it's my most requested template, but the T-Rex, the arms are just way too little for balloons. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Well, so let's, let's so be hard. real. The T-Rex arms in general, like in on general. the creature, we're tiny. tiny. <laughs> so, so I'm like trying to fit a balloon in there to the proportion. It just didn't work. So I finally figured that out. And then once I do that, my husband digitizes everything. Like I sketch it and I give him the final sketch on paper. And then he translates it into a digital format. He puzzles it all together. He prepares the templates. He prepares everything. Then I make it. Then he prints it for me and I make it. So I make them just like everybody's making them to make sure it works. Then once I make it and I put it together, then I photograph it. Then I have to do it into all these, con- like all that has a process. So mm-hmm. it takes me a while sometimes to do that and to make sure that what I'm executing and putting out there is good work. Um, I feel like I just lost, I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> talking about the business side of the, yes, business. the business. Yes, there we go. So then you have all of this plus making sure that my content is um, consistent and accurate to my brand across all my, my platforms or wherever it is that I'm doing, making sure that I'm conscious of like every detail of who's buying this, what people want, because sometimes you can make a, I can make a digital and it doesn't sell. Right. And then sometimes I make a digital that I ne- like the nutcracker. I never saw anybody. I thought, Oh, I'll probably get a couple sales on it. It is it, everybody. And it's so intricate. So I didn't think a lot of people were going to buy it. People loved it. So 
those things we have to look at at the back end too, because what's worth our time to make because mm -hmm. it's the highest request. So I, I can't every, every time I get a request, like in a message or somewhere, I keep a list of it to see what's being requested the most, obviously, you know, holidays and what's coming up. And then I'm also very conscious of, do I, I need to develop something that's not already out there? Mm -hmm. Because if I develop something that's already out there and somebody can just buy it in a foil balloon, there's no purpose of me doing that. Because this is an extra, an extra step. Like the balloon mosaics are not, you know, just blowing up a balloon and you're done. Right. So yeah, the business part of it is also time consuming and, and you know, social media, I, I, I think people underestimate how much work social media takes mm -hmm. for it to be, to be well done. I think, you know, I, I'm constantly answering all my messages. I'm constantly answering this. And sometimes, you know, the kids, you know, bring, bringing it back to being a mom. My, my son, not so much. He's eight years old. He kind of doesn't care. He's like, whatever. He's like in his own thing. He does his own mm -hmm. thing. You know, he's in his room. He likes to, but my daughter, why are you on the phone? What are you doing? Who are you talking to? But I don't understand how your work is on your right. phone. And I'm like, because my work is on my phone, kid. Yes. <laughs> so, and what, I, what, what makes it a, a little bit easier is that she's creative and my son is creative. So they always have some kind of input. So especially her, she loves to have um, creative input on, she calls them photo shoots. She's like, I have an idea for a photo shoot. So she gives me like her ideas and I take them. And sometimes her ideas are actually really good. Mm -hmm. um, so I take them into consideration, but that, like, you know, when people say balance, I don't believe in balance. Balance doesn't exist. Whoever mm -hmm. says that they're balanced is a liar. <laughs> Because I feel like something is always lacking, but at the same time, I, I feel like the balance comes from understanding what's a priority in that moment. Because I think otherwise, you're just, um, a friend of mine made an analogy today. It's like, you're running around spinning a plate on a, on a stick and you have a whole bunch of them. That's balance. If you're running around trying to make sure none of them fall, that's exhausting. Right. So, you know, sometimes they come home and I'm like, hey. I, you know, I try to communicate with my kids as much as possible and my husband and I do and we're like, hey, guys, today is one of those days mom and dad have to work. I need you guys to just do your thing. Let me know if you need something to eat, but I, I got to finish working tonight. And they're, now that they're a little older, they're good with it. Um, it was harder when they were little and they need so much of your physical attention, you know, changing right. diapers yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, they're older now, so it's a little bit different. Um, and I try to include them as much as I can, but at the same time, it's hard because, you know, what I do for a living is so fun, mm -hmm. um, quote, quote, fun. So they want to be touching the balloons and they want to grab and they want to help. And I'm just like, please don't touch my work. But <laughs> at the same time, it's difficult. You know, like, you don't, I don't want to like turn them off from what I do. Like, you know, so it's just like a, a, a constant, Oh, hello. Oh, a constant, yeah. um, a constant juggling act, I think. And, and, knowing and I work from home so the hardest thing that I struggle with is knowing when to stop mm -hmm. knowing when to stop and just disconnect and be like I can pick this up later or tomorrow so that is the hardest thing I struggle with but I think we all do if um mm -hmm. I think people who work from home struggle with that all the time and I try to be disciplined I think I'm pretty disciplined with my schedule and stuff like that but you know there's days where you're just like uh, or you're like inspired and you really want to finish a project because right. you're so excited, <laughs> but the kids are coming home in 30 minutes and you're like, Oh, so I'm just like, Hey guys, I really want to finish this project today. So, I mean, it's pretty good. But then knowing when to stop and just being like, okay, 
it's mom time now. I have to go into mom mode. And my husband's really good. We're like a good team where, you know, we're not like, we don't have roles. Like right. whoever needs to do what needs to be done at that moment needs to do it. Like, that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that, that's um, how I try to manage my business and family and mom <laughs> life. But I, I mean, I'm glad you brought up that balance word because I really hate it too. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, I think maybe because the misperception uh, is that balance means equal and Correct. it's not really, it's like cyclical, right? Like some days mm-hmm. I'm going to be like rock star mom and other days I'm going to be rock star maker and you can't have both at the same time. Nope, you can't. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when we have like a really good adult day slash parent day, me and my husband like high five, so we're like, Um, Yes, we just did adulting so good today, (laughs) and then then the next day I'm crying because I'm like I'm such a bad mom. (laughs) I I forgot to read a book or I forgot the T-shirt for school. I don't know, like, and you know, so it's just it is a cyclical, and it's just like what you know, who are you gonna be today? And at the end of the day, your your my priority is my family, and we're working for our children to you know have them grow up with a nice life and mm-hmm. and for us to have a nice life and be able to enjoy different experiences and you can't do that if you're not making money so at sometimes the business has to come first in right. certain instances because without one you can't have the other so so I just wanted to ask because I think you were kind of touching on it I have felt that being becoming a mom ha- prepared me the best for running my own business and being able to do multiple things at once. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yep. I mean, it sounds like, so you were like running a business pre-kids too. Mm-hmm. So like, do you, do you feel that? Like that having the experience of becoming a mom and like, I don't know, getting better at multitasking or. Um, I think that after becoming a mom, I got better prioritizing. Uh, because I became a mom, I was like, this is really not that important. Where before it was such an important detail to me, right. it became more of like, this is not important. This is the priority. So it, it made me better at time management. Being a mom made me better at time management and understanding what was more important to do before the next thing mm-hmm. as a business owner. So that definitely helped me out um, after becoming a mom. Yeah, I, that totally makes sense to me. Um, what do you hope that your kids learn from watching you and your husband, you know, run this business? That excuses are bullshit. <laughs> Sorry. No, my, my no, language. that's good. <laughs> but because I don't, I don't, and don't get me wrong. Thursdays where I'm like, oh my God, I'm so tired. And that's an excuse. Right? Yes. I feel like I want them to understand that, that excuses are BS because we all can do whatever we really want to do and quote unquote failures are not an excuse to not keep going. Mm -hmm. You have to keep going. You take it, you know, you can cry it out if you want, take a day and the next day you need to get up and figure it out because that's just life. That's just Mm -hmm. life. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really hyper alert to things like that with my children because they, I had a, I had a difficult, not, 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 I mean, my mom was, she worked really hard for us, but she couldn't give us the stuff she wanted to give us. So I had to work, I had to start working at 15 because I had to, it wasn't just mm-hmm. like, Oh, I wanted extra money. You know, I had to work at 15. I needed to work at 15 to start 
buying my own stuff. And then I went to an art school and um, art supplies are expensive and Mm -hmm. I had to buy my own stuff. I had to help my mom in that way. Um, So I want them to understand that because they are living a privileged, a more privileged life than I did. And they don't understand the struggles that I was very aware of at their age. You know, I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm becoming my mom because I tell them, when I was your age, I was already <laughs> washing my own clothes and cleaning the bathroom and doing this. And they don't do any of that. So I'm aware, those are the things I want my kids to learn. I want them to learn that, you know, working hard is is very important because, you know, nobody's entitled to anything. Just because mm-hmm. you were born doesn't mean you deserve all this stuff. You need to work for what you what you have and you need to earn what you what you want. So mm-hmm. I think that's my most important lesson for them. And also to be kind. I want them to see through my business. Um, I don't talk much about it in my, on my social media platforms. I don't really, mm-hmm. but I love to give back. I love to help as much as I can. And I don't do it for the, the, the attention. I don't do it for the praise. And that's why most of the time I like to keep it like kind of like on the, on the side there, you know, just mm-hmm. like not make a big deal about it because I think it's important to, to take, yes, it's important to make money. It's important to, you know, have a, you need a you know a livelihood and make money, but I think it's even more important to give back because we're so much more fortunate than other people. So I want I I try to have them see that with our business that yes, it's great to build a business. It's great to have like this um amazing experience like making it was and all these experiences that they've been able to have because of our business. But it's also important to give back because not everybody's as fortunate as we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really relate to all that you just said I was I was also raised by a single mom and we were poor and I had to start working at 12 to to like you not just because but to like bring in a second income to the to the family um and I think yes my children are definitely living a much more privileged life (laughs) than I was and I do struggle with that at times of like okay how can I find this balance of I like to be able to give them things just because oh, like, course. I, you know, I like that feeling as a, as a parent, um, but also finding that balance of like, no, you need to understand, like, mm-hmm. we work hard <laughs> for mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, you know, um, and, and getting that message through to their little brains. Yeah, yeah. because they don't, and they don't, it's hard sometimes because, and then sometimes my son takes things very literal. Mm-hmm. So sometimes <laughs> if he asks me for a toy and I'm like, no, we don't need to buy a toy. He's like, is it because we don't have money today? And I'm like, it's not that. I'm like, <laughs> like I don't think he gets it. He's like, right. well, he's like, can you make a blue mosaic and make money? And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. Like, I tried to explain. So we're like, because they're still little, but they're already yes. old enough to understand. So yeah. we're trying to figure out, like, how to implement a way of them understanding the concept of money and how you have to work for yeah. things. And But it's hard because it's kind of like, I don't want to... I don't want them to earn money because by doing chores because that's kind of like I don't make money cleaning my because I have to clean my house. Right. So you don't make money because you have to clean your room. You have to clean your room. You know, it's responsibility and then the yeah. So sometimes if they want something, then we started. We want to start implementing like, oh, you want a toy? You can earn money. You need to help me bag balloons for orders. Right. I figure there's like something you have to start with. You know, it's for them to understand the value of it of hard work. Mm I think that's uh, important. My my old my oldest is he'll be seven in June, but he'll <laughs> he'll do the same thing when he wants something, and I'll say, well, no, you know, because there's this price tag on it, 
And he'll be like, well, then just make a table and sell it. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, they think like, it's like, like just, yeah. something about it. I yeah. want it. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. Like, that's just not how things work. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like the trick. And my kids are eight and six. So it's the same, it's the same yeah. age range. And I'm just like, they don't, they don't get it. And then sometimes he says it in the store, like really loud. Yep. He's like, is it because we don't have money? And I'm like, oh my God, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. But you know, they get into the habit of, you know, just mm-hmm. asking for stuff and it's easy. And we at one point we were, you know, obviously as parents we it feels well. It feels good, yeah, like you said. Yeah. But then we had to get to the point where like we need to stop. First of all, there was too many toys and, and yeah. then they need to understand like there's priorities, necessities, and then wants. And our wants don't necessarily mean we have to have them. So yeah. We're just yep. trying to figure that out. How to explain <laughs> that to them because they don't get it. Exactly. Well, Lily, we've come to the end of our time. So okay. I'm going to give you a chance to tell people where they can find you on all of the interwebs and follow along with you. I'm pretty much the creative heart studio everywhere except Twitter, but I don't really use Twitter. So you won't find much going on there. Uh, so I'm pretty much the Creative Heart Studio across all the all, all, all the social media platforms and the website's the same, .com. Um, and that's pretty much where you can find me. Okay. Find what, Instagram's my most active one. So if you want to know what's going on, Instagram's the best place to go and find me. Awesome. All right. Thanks for taking the time to Thanks chat so with much. me. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It was fun. All right. Again, that was Lily with the Creative Heart Studio and was also a finalist on the second season of Making It, the most recent season. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the interview. I know I did. I had a really fun time talking with Lily about not just making making type things, but also momming type things. Um, So I hope you picked up a few tips and got some uh, laughs in along the way. All right, so today is Friday, Friday the 13th, actually, so if you're superstitious, I'm sorry, Um, but I hope all of you have a fantastic Friday, fantastic weekend, and if you're like me, going into spring break week with your kiddos, I hope you have a fun time with them as well, and uh, with everything that's going on right now in the United States, I hope all of you stay safe and... uh, Have a fantastic weekend or week or whatever. And I will talk to you all next week. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.